1: slightly later than advertised hi everyone so before the preamble this is a podcast the seattle overload podcast and today we're looking at the seahawks 2023 mock game we may include some clips which we may or may not have depends how scared i get uh we we, we're fearful of that there's also devon witherspoon news there's also left cornerback news in general uh and we're going to give you a preseason. what to watch for from the 2023 Seattle Seahawks because obviously they play on Thursday against the Minnesota Vikings. But for that, because we haven't really advertised this, we'll let a few more people join. And so it is the preamble section, the infamous or famous preamble, depending on how you view that. I will be including in the timestamp down below a thing saying uh, where the actual podcast starts. Please do like the video if you've joined, because it does help us grow. Comment in the comment section. Get involved in the chat if you want to ask questions on stuff as well. And, yeah, get get involved. It's a podcast, so five-star reviews, please. Oh, Jen. Well, there you go, Jen. There's just too much for me. Jen, I don't think it would be that confusing if you had me on one screen uh, and then also the other appearance on another just screen do it at the same just, time it all just blends into one Jen yeah. I'm gonna probably repeat myself in in some parts as well but also Griff wasn't supposed to know about that like that was a kind of a, a secret thing
2: i s- I mean you didn't do a very good job of hiding it i s- I saw the the tweet
1: oh no that's how you found out mm-hmm. I'm sorry we we can talk about this okay. off. air. Yeah. You
2: don't. You don't. You don't pod and tell, huh?
1: No, <laughs> no. I'm a gentleman. Okay.
2: You're gonna see Barbie. <laughs> I'm gonna see Barbie.
1: You're going to what? see
2: Barbie. Yeah, when I get the chance.
1: Uh huh. When?
2: Probably this weekend. A few days.
1: Yeah, I. I might. I might see it yeah i've heard it's okay i've heard, good I've heard it's really
2: good not not as explosive as the other one but it's really good perhaps no. um perhaps in a like uh figurative way yeah in terms of discourse
1: right you know
2: i haven't seen that much hand-wringing about it though like film twitter isn't like losing its mind in the way that it normally does like picking it, it apart films apart but it's just embracing it like oh yeah that's this commentary, yeah, which shows
1: that it's it's done a good job, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, like it's not pissing most people off. So
1: nice, anyway. it, And and the people who I have seen who've been upset by it are the, the the it good, like I think it's it's done a good job. Yeah, like there, like you know? like
2: Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yes, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> ben Shapiro knows nothing about Run fits
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> There's no Jack. Or, anyway, or or, or uh, Mike. Um, that was good. Thanks, man. It was, was smooth how I good. like sort of hesitated in my way into that.
2: We like to ramble on our preamble,
1: right? And and also kind of wrong how we mentioned uh, actual football during that. I mean, run fits our part of football. Griff, did you see that yeah. my defense allowed? 9.8 points per game this season which was the lowest in our division
2: that's sick coached by your very own seattle Overload pod co-host main host maddie f brown yeah defensive coordinator running and and let's not forget, the... you have
1: uh you have uh reviewed some of the materials and said that looks good so i
2: yeah uh, i've i've um i i get all the credit for saying yeah it looks good <laughs> um and he's also running folks uh, no, no, they about
1: can't about. tell this. There'll be there'll be uh, our our future opponents going to watch this, and it will ruin everything. Oh no!
2: <laughs> oh no! You're you're <laughs> holding them under ten points a game. They they can do all the film study they want, all the insider information. They they don't they don't stand a yeah. chance.
1: Oh, bare fronts.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, all right.
1: Okay oh thank you jen that's very kind of you i it was long overdue the haircut i think i mentioned it uh on the podcast but it was very much needed like uh you know family friends uh, partner there was a lot of kind of pressure on me to do that players on the team i coach is bad it's real bad
2: um Giving you gruff for your scruff?
1: <laughs> Griff for my scriff. <laughs> okay, should we should we do our podcast, Griff?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it.
1: Let's talk some ball. Oh, are the Mariners playing?
2: Yeah, it's a zero-zero top of the second. They had scoring opportunities. I'm sure did they
1: ties, have. What's their? Your tie is raging right now. Have they continued winning, or did they drop a few games?
2: No, they're 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 winning. They're like. They're like 10-2 and two their last 12 games.
1: Nice, because I, I watched their, most of the Angels series, and that was enjoyable.
2: Yeah, that was awesome. They're two and a half games back behind the Blue Jays, I think, maybe three.
1: They're still two and a half? Okay. I think so, yeah. When I last looked it, it was also two and a half. There you go. Yeah,
2: they're keeping pace, at least.
1: Goms. Okay. Let's start. welcome to the seattle overload podcast where griff and i have a seahawks mock game review yes we've been handed or maybe you know we shouldn't admit this griff live on air but we have been handed uh materials or maybe we haven't of of the seahawks <laughs> mock game thank you to those people who may or may not have done that very kind we have like a hundred or we may not have a hundred different angles basically of the same play uh, so that was nice just really? like being there really
2: Many both spies died to give us this information.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Do you what? even
2: know what that? What I'm quoting, Maddie?
1: No, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it's um, it's that, that <laughs> comic thing, isn't it? That you know those characters.
2: See, th- this is how undercultured Maddie is that he can't even spot a uh, a Star Wars reference from like the first movie ever made.
1: Well I I didn't? I thought you said Gotham. Bothan. Bothan.
2: Bothan. B o t h a n.
1: I think an American accent. Obviously, in Star Wars, there's no American actors, so.
2: Yeah, many Bothan spies died. Anyway, anyway. Well, uh,
1: hang on. Hang on. What Star Wars is that? A New Hope. Whose line is it?
2: Um. Oh, what's her name? Not what's her name, but uh, she um, Mon Mothma.
1: Oh, you're the, right.
2: She's the senator who who defected from the Imperial Senate because she was originally from the Galactic Senate. She's actually been given a lot of backstory in subsequent canon.
1: Oh, there's extra canon.
2: Yeah, but originally she just delivers a banger of a line that's like really sullen and like you feel the weight of it.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah.
2: She rallies the troops. She's like, all right, kids, go blow up the Death Star. Here we go. Our camel's like, all right. Get
1: in that exhaust port.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, that's
1: great. Um, okay. So, yeah, we may, we, we're going to look at a bit of the, <laughs> the mock game. We also have news out of training camp. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, uh, the left corner stuff, and, and that in general. And then finally, we will finish with a preseason what to watch for because the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night at an obscene time, especially for me, play the Minnesota Vikings. And watching preseason football can be tough. So we're going to try and give you a list of things to watch for, which, you know, when I say list, that's like we've planned it out. So just imagine we have, and when it's not as succinct as you expect you uh yeah you've been warned drift you have a bee in your bonnet <laughs> are you familiar with that expression no all right what is a bee in your bonnet
2: all right explain i think when Can it says
1: in? bonnet it doesn't mean like a car bonnet it means like uh the hat the headwear a bonnet
2: so a bee in your bonnet that means like you're annoyed by something then yes All right, so what am I annoyed by?
1: Well, you were very clutching at straws of beat reporters saying that Devin Witherspoon is in the mix at left cornerback. Witherspoon hasn't practiced the last two days and has a wrap on his left leg. And I believe, let me just double-check this, but I believe Pete Carroll hasn't updated reporters on his status uh, yet. They haven't been able to ask him yet what is exactly going on with that left leg. But Griff, your B in your bonnet is that Witherspoon. I, I've already spoke on it with Ty in the news review, but Witherspoon is not just strictly a nickel, is he?
2: Well, I mean, he he wasn't he never was strictly a nickel. I think it's just, you know, people some people are a little concerned that it seems like he's only a nickel, but he's only been practicing for a week. He has like what three practices under his belt in the mock game. And it makes sense that they'd start him at nickel. It's also where there's the most snaps to get, even with Woolen not practicing. But Brady Henderson, I mean, he is informed and he wouldn't say that. I mean, it could just be, you know, uh, you know, just guessing, uh, educated guesswork, but I don't know. I'll just, I'll wait for, you know, uh, maybe two weeks to form of, of training camp for Devin instead of just one week before us determining he's not also an outside corner ideally i think the ideal situation is that he's the base left corner starter and then kicks into nickel when they play nickel and then he's replaced on the left side by either trey brown or mike jackson whoever wins that battle um
1: yeah but if you i do I, that smoothly then that seems like a no brainer the only reason not to would be if it's like yeah it just kills it, you know, kills a momentum think, or, or uh, kind of comfort. For, and, and yeah. I think what's really cool about this is that Trey Brown has sort of come back from the, the ashes and his comeback is continuing and bizarrely Griff, he kind of is ahead of Michael Jackson now because Jackson filled in for Rick woolen Rick Willen is the starter. And so I'm going to stick with Rick. Rick woolen is the starter. And so, he's he's come but he's going to come back he, he did some exercises today but didn't participate in practice but he will eventually and so then it's jackson back to his old spot a left corner battling of trey brown who has a head start on him and has reminded everyone of how talented he is when he's fully healthy
2: mm-hmm. indeed yeah yeah it is cool that i mean trey brown i mean seemingly just trying to parse this that he's jumped the incumbent starter you know only with a couple of weeks of camp. Um, Last year, he didn't seem like he was as athletic as he was in 2021 when he had that month-long stint of really promising uh, starter play. We were pretty excited about him. Um, so it's cool that he's kind of reemerged, and he's going toe-to-toe with DK Metcalf, like, bodying DK up, which is hard to do because DK does play strong. Um, obviously, like, that's a huge part of his game. Like, he wins through the route with his body and strength. Um and obviously, he's really difficult to press. One of the three most difficult receivers to press in the league. So, the fact that Trey Brown is is been really competitive with him in camp is a good sign, I think, for Trey. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, and also, like, just to, if if we if we take everything at face value, Pete has also been very effusive in his praise for Mike Jackson. Like, he doesn't seem disenchanted with Jackson at all, which he would never verbally be explicit about that. But he's speaking about Mike this this training camp the same way he did last year, and w- the way he spoke about him last year ended up bearing fruit. Like it, it translated as in at least he what I'm saying is he meant it. It wasn't his regular you know Pete speak. So I take it to mean that he means it this year too. So Trey Brown just must be doing really well.
1: Yeah, and I have to say if you watch the training camp clips, which I sort of saw after. Pete had praised Mike Jackson and the real Mike Jackson praise arrived at the start of training camp. And then uh, even before that in June, that's when Pete uh, highlighted him as the standout. But Trey Brown looked like the best guy on the one-on-one drills that um, Mike Dugard of the Athletic tweeted out the, the videos of those. He looked really sticky against some of the best guys out there. Whereas Mike Jackson, and it just so happened his clips were mainly against DK Metcalf, which is a tough matchup, but Mike Jackson had a bit more struggles and a, On other stuff that the team's tweeted out you know dk's getting you know getting his wins against uh jackson dk actually beat trey brown today so he is gonna do that like he is a he is a mismatch like that as we all are very much aware but it just looked to me like brown was playing with excellent technique and 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 the quickness seems back you know Quandre Diggs was effusive in his praise of brown as well so uh Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like a a very cool thing. And ultimately, the battle between him and Mike Jackson is just going to be ferocious. And I wonder if against... uh, And we're sort of teasing our preseason thing, which we're going to end with. But I wonder if against the Vikings, we end up with Jackson on the right, Brown on the left, uh, through a large portion of that game. We'll we'll have to see. Now, Jen asks, are we worried about the fate of Kobe Bryant? Uh, Yeah, you should be. Because... Why Bryant matters more is he, one, hasn't had as much praise. Uh, and then two, like if Trey Brown looks really good on the left and Mike Jackson looks really good on the right, that leaves Kobe Bryant as the nickel. But Witherspoon's clearly the better nickel. So then Jack- Bryant can't really compete for another spot He because the outside's stuck. And it seems like Brown and Jackson are, are Viewed as ahead of Kobe at their relative positions compared to Kobe at the nickel spot. Now we, you know, there's talk of Kobe Bryant playing safety. Well, the reason that he's playing safety is because the nickels in this system have a kind of safety skill set as well, and and Mm -hmm. vice versa. And and so you, you know, the the the, it's just a way of getting him on the field more often because of the, the the stuff I've just spoke about, like. And and you know if uh, he'll be able to play more and and get more reps, but yeah, Bri- Brian is the guy who's less likely to play now, and that's a guy who played over seven hundred fifty snaps last year. A guy who Pete Carroll told me in Munich, and yeah, he's going to be positive about his players, but he told me in Munich he can be as good as the best nickels in the league. Uh, so
2: he said that off the record too. Like in no, Friday. no, no,
1: no, no, I was on the record.
2: Oh, was it okay?
1: Yeah, well, I can't I can't share off the record conversation. That would be absolutely outrageous. That's not journalism 101, Griff.
2: You're right. You're right.
1: It's on the record. You're absolutely right.
2: That was an amateur moment for me. Yeah. Um, It's fine. Yeah, I mean, there is a numbers game at safety. Like, like in my mind, Jamal Adams is part of the calculus here. But let's just pretend that he isn't. Like, say, the first couple weeks or so, we can't go. And you all of a sudden have like no depth at safety there's Joey Blunt who is promising although he did just get banged up
1: he's hurt his back lower back so yeah that sounds serious so he, yeah so yeah so he knows what's going on there. on Monday
2: Th- then you've got Jarek Reed and then Kobe now so and if the big nickel stuff um and this kind of goes into the next topic um them them experimenting with dime as well um like they kind of need as safety if, if he can fit there so i mean he can function kind of more as a pure corner type of nickel and he could but then they also need him to be able to function like you said on the more safety side of things um and then they, they straight up if they want to use julian love in a versatile way they also need someone that they trust in the back end as well so that love can insert down below as well because love is a little bit of a jack of all trades too so um if Kobe and Kobe did play deep in this mock game that we'll look at so that means that affords the ability to play love where you want to play him as well so um you know ultimately I think it's just depth is great but yeah Kobe does need to i don't think he's doing poorly necessarily but he he does need to stay on his game his a game uh because his his snaps will get eaten into if he's not careful
1: yeah absolutely and um... That is interesting what you mentioned, the kind of competition he has with Jarek reed and we we don't we have no idea what Reed looks like yeah, right now. But no like idea. if they're planning to run, you know, uh dime at a high rate, <laughs> which I'm sure they are, like depending on the matchups, it, it's kind of advantageous to have two kind of nickel types out there for either slot receiver uh on the passing down. So you could have the next guy could be Kobe Bryant and Witherspoon on the inside uh, with the two really? high safeties behind in Love and, and Diggs, in theory. Or it could be Derek Reed. Uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll mentioned the possibility of getting all those guys out on the field at the same time. And Seattle did run Dime quite a fair, a fair bit last year. I need to get the exact numbers on that. But, like, it was their passing down. Whenever it was a passing down, they could try and get into Dime, not Nickel. Uh, so... And that was how Ryan Neal first got onto the field, wasn't it? But now, this year, they've got more of a kind of uh, corner skill set there, really. Or like the traditional nickel skill set and the fact that these guys are a bit shorter. um, Reed's not the tallest either. Right. Okay. So, mock game. Drift, what what did you think of this mock game?
2: I, I think the main piece of information we can extract from it, Maddie, and I'll set you up here, is that when they go into nickel, they are four guys in line of scrimmage, whether they've got, you know, the edges are standing up or hand in the dirt. I actually kind of saw like th- three or one edge of the hand of the dirt, one standing up. E- either way, nickel even, right? The technique and stances of the interior defenders, the defensive tackles, they are one gapping, they're power stepping, they're, no, they're not mere stepping or two gapping anymore. Maddie, what did you think of all that? And what does it yes, mean? Yes,
1: well, I, I have said this on other podcasts and I've tweeted about it a lot as well. But it's kind of wild because the first the first time we saw this was I, I thought they were uh, running um, their bare front, but I was wrong because I didn't expect it to be a nickel that the nose tackle, rather than playing on the inside shoulder of the guard, would bump inside and play on the outside shoulder of the center uh, and be a bit tighter on pictures then the second time was in rookie mini camp when it was carl scott mic'd up and they showed us a very cropped angle of the line of scrimmage but you could clearly see four guys down at the line of scrimmage and one of those guys cameron young playing the nose tackle spot power stepping into the center at a tighter angle and i was sort of doubting whether that was the case because it was weird then kenny McIntosh was very generous on his instagram and tweeted out a video of the seahawks uh run game and him going off and in the nickel stuff seattle is power stepping one gapping with their nose tackle rather than like last year two two gapping uh with their nose tackle and then lo and behold at the mock game they're they're doing the exact same thing so what this is is a similar rejection of the fangio way of doing nickel that they also rejected the fangio way of running base bare fronts last year uh, they also did that. They went back to how they did it in the past, which was basically more one gapping unless they felt the need to two gap, which is buying time for a, a guy fitting from too high. And the nickel thing is well, if we've got the numbers in the box, <laughs> why, or, or even if the interior gaps are being fitted by light inside backers, then why are we two gapping our nose tackle? Like why I couldn't answer right. that last year. And for the guys behind, it really caught seemed to cause uh, uncertainty for the guys up front. They were like, well, why aren't the guys behind getting this double off me? And the guys behind were like, well, I, I don't know where the ball's going. So <laughs> right now. So...
2: Go ahead. No, go ahead, Griff. Well, I mean, so, yeah, so it makes, it makes when they play one high cover three, cover one, it makes the run fit make way more sense. But when they do play too high, still th- there's, I mean, switching from like two gap principles to one gap principle principles doesn't cost nothing. It's not just something. It's not like free, right? Like so, obviously, like you said, they're doing it to accommodate that last fitter, because they play with they play with one defender for every gap uh, rules, even in two high. But the two gap up front to accommodate. Time and space not being on their side by allowing that f- by the time the, the second level, of this, the safety from the third level, really the defense, by the time he gets down to the line of scrimmage, it, it's still he's still aligned correctly in theory on paper. Um, so now that you're one gapping, yeah, it might benefit every single player in the box, but the collective defense on paper is dis- still disadvantaged. Because that means that whole there that his gap his primary gap which is probably a C gap is going to be wide open um, and there isn't anyone that on paper has any responsibility for like even helping there like the near defensive tackle could theoretically work over work over um, to it or the linebackers can scrape over um, they don't have that luxury anymore so that suggests that they're committing to a different way of getting the the nickel corner involved or maybe line movement and stuff so that the run fit makes sense so that they can get bodies there and it's not always the safety um maddie you, you said you saw more likes pirating where the three technique side and, and the edge side are, is slanting more and more movement than we saw last year just straight up having the nickel fold into the b gap um yeah, whereas so, last year so this he is didn't. what it
1: is right so yeah. th- so if they're gonna even in too high if they're gonna in the so if they're in too high and they have five guys down at the line of scrimmage well then you have to you have to involve the edge the, the edges have to do their job but then when a tight end comes into the picture um or a tight end comes into the picture to the quarters safety side mm-hmm. uh that's when you can play with a two-gapping guy or like a one-and-a-half-gapping guy like the four-eye and buy time for that guy coming down with the C-gap. But in this four-down stuff that they're doing, the the two-four-five, uh, where they're one-gapping all the time, basically rather than involve a safety in those interior gaps, um, you need to get the kind of overhang, so the curl defender or the the kind of uh, the guy walked out on a slot. He needs to fit into one of those gaps because otherwise, you only have like a six-man box, mm-hmm. uh, and and you need the extra guy. Uh, and so, yeah, you to but to but to to avoid that being a conflict. So, for instance, if he has to get into a B gap, but he's also out on a slot, which is really wide then it's pretty easy for an offense to conflict him and play on that. But the yeah. way to remove that, like Ken Norton occasionally did, was to to move to where the B-gap bubble is by moving your front uh, and alleviate that kind of stress. So I'm trying to find a good example of that. I know I have it. Griff, do you have anything to add on this? Because it is a, a no. I but... mean,
2: they're 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 trading a well, what was the scheme issue or what am I saying? They're trading. Oh, I'm trying to word this in a way that sounds cool, but it's, it's not working. Basically, they're they're making a schematic change for the sake of techniques that are easier on the players, so that they perform better. The da- the downshot of it is that it presents a schematic issue. If you view this, the picture statically, therefore we assume that they know that therefore they're going to make more schematic changes to accommodate the inherent schematic disadvantages. So basically a technique change, which means something schematically, and then therefore they'll scheme around that to make it work, which is just basically a return to more multiplicity and fitting the run. Ken Norton Jr. Is very multiple the way that he fit the run, um, Clint hurt was very static as a play caller. Now, again, the positive is that who is, who is a defensive coordinators right-hand man when it comes to, when it comes to making all that work, that probably a defensive line coach. So Clint hurt knows all these things. It's not like, it's not like they don't exist to him in his mind. It's more like large, bigger picture stuff of why Clint hurt decided not to do it last year, but he knows he probably could have done it. It just wasn't worth the, uh, you know, the time cost the uh, analysis, like in the, in the aggregate. So the fact that they're, they're making these changes, it's suggestive of other changes and Clint Hurd knows how to coach it. Cause he had a huge hand in it from in 2020 and 2021. So all in all, we're uh, excited. Um, I think about this, um, I really do hope that we see a lot more, a lot more line movement up front, um, more run stunts, not pass stunts, but run stunts um maybe run blitzing just more single high in general is really the easiest way to make it work and like they have the talent on the perimeter to play cover one to play cover three match all day long if they want um you know i would i'm mean, even looking at their schedule there's only a few handful of teams where you'd feel pressed to sit in too high the whole game against uh when they go when they spread it out so
1: yeah what i'd say is it's just a. The other the other factor which I kind of saw was the safety keys, which last year they seemed to be very slow in too high coming down to play the run, which the idea being, I suppose, that that helps against play action uh, and helps you defend play action and and like race routes and stuff, and and def- right. and account for that being a problem.
2: Right, but we, I mean, you're right. In 2021, like especially the that from week six to ten when they had really good pass defense and good and good run defense when they're when they're playing half quarter quarter jamal or neil is pretty much nestling almost into like the hook area at eight to 12 or eight to 10 yards um in 2021 even though it's a split safety coverage shell like they clearly are using their their pre-snap acumen to know when they're when they're running so um and, and like it really seemed to spurn them against the pass so
1: yeah So this is kind of what we're talking about. So you can see how um, this is a two high shell. Uh, So you have the safeties back here. Um, Now, this is a 245. So here is our kind of nickel type. Now notice that's kind of a safety body. Uh, Also, the, the NFL numbers make this so difficult. But you have a, a linebacker here and a linebacker here. Now, Seattle always when they're in the nickel two four five thing, they set the strength to the tight ends. But what's interesting to me is how there seems to be a much clearer idea of where the run support is coming from. So I, I have a five down example of this too that I'll get to. Uh, let me let me use my pen as well here. But um if we just get that up and not only a clearer idea but a a um that didn't work very well not only a clearer idea but also like a clearer way of it fitting like when we watched the pittsburgh game last year we didn't just un- it just didn't make sense to us it just seemed like they were really just playing loose with the the math if you like okay my pen brilliant. is not working brilliant fine okay so this guy here is this one-tech nose tackle, and I notice he's lined up quite wide, which is a real kind of shade on the outside shade of the center. That makes yeah. sense for guys who are smaller, but um, and, and Seattle has these lighter guys up front, right? Like, uh, as we mentioned, Darren Reed is under 310 pounds, and Griff, I don't know if you heard me coping with Ty, but... I think this is what they kind of meant about being more dynamic up front. Like they want to play more with shades. They want to two gap less um, mm-hmm. and only when they have to. And so they don't need these big hulking guys, uh, but it's kind of bringing it back to it's, it's almost bringing a tilt element uh, to, to their nickel front and the way that they're going to play with their nose tackle. So this is this one tech nose. Uh, and so when we talk about the B gap bubble, well, I'm in too high. We have a detached slot here. So this safety, if we're, if we're wanting to cover this route or this route if we're playing halves, well, this guy's got to get over the top of the one. And if we're playing quarters, well, this guy's got to play on the two. So there's no way this safety can be expected to play in this open gap. These two linebackers, well, this guy's got this a gap up in here. This guy's got this B gap up in here. So again, there's, there's no way, uh, they can play in this open gap, this edge, Well, you could do something with him, but he's an edge setter. He's setting the edge. So, again, we've got an open gap here. Um, This safety here, the open gap is away from him, and he is too high because they want to either get him over the top of this and double this one or play him in a quarter and help him out in a deeper kind of 10-yard dig window, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the only guy in too high, uh, when you're playing this guy like this, because you could have him on the inside shoulder of the guard and kind of two-gap and then have this guy play off him and or maybe have this guy read a gap into this open gap while this guy, in theory, keeps him clean off the guard, which seemed to be what Seattle was trying to do a bit more last year. But because this guy's pure one-gapping, what has to happen is this guy, whose job could be, if it was cover two, he'd just be dropping inside here um, in a curl or if it was... Uh, you know uh quarters it would look pretty similar to that um, mm-hmm. or it could be that he's he's got a w- uh, wool this guy but the only guy who can fit the open gap with this guy playing like a one gap guy is this guy so he can sort of slow play if he gets a good edge set here but if you watch how they fit this run
0: ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential
1: them very well um i'm not used to clips, which is the short the that guy triggers downhill
2: yeah and and everyone's playing vertical so like 57 is able to just keep leverage with his a gap Um, although he could probably play with maybe a little more urgency and then there's the it looks like nuosu is that nuosu he's playing the d gap and then the will is playing the the c gap or actually, he's fitting off. Okay, so it's really more like Noosu as the left edge is, is kind of pseudo two-gapping. I don't think the, it is Noosu. Who, whoever the left edge is, yeah, you're right. Because those are the twos. So the will is pretty much... Like, there are two gaps there, right? The C and the D gap. So does It's like a happen?
1: soft pilot, it looks like to me. Yeah. Or it could just be that because of this C gap and to defend against okay, we've got a a running back on this side and a tight end, which we can't see here. Mm-hmm. It could be that, well, we can see they've heavied up this edge and he kind of plays a bit like how Seattle would play the old, well, like Michael Bennett in an over front, right? Right.
2: So, so last year the nickel would not be involved in the front. They have 57 would be in the B gap. The will would be in the A gap. And then the weak safety, would be the C or D gap fitter off the backside. So basically, they they've just kind of like the quarter safety can be like cleanup. Like he he can truly be alley help, which will also also help them on screens and 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 th- things of that nature. So they can get bodies there. But so they're they're really swapping the safety for the nickel here. Um, now the one the one downside of this is. Because it's cover two, I think to the to the passing strength, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's covered. So what ends up happening is they play uh, what looks like uh, palms out here, and and palms then up, uh, up. and then over here is cover four, and yeah, palms, which again makes... is
2: very Pete. That is very Pete. I, the, what I was thinking was it would be difficult for that for them to get the vertical hook match. So maybe from from that from the nickel corner, um, where he can kind of carry. The, the number two receiver, the slot to a certain depth. Uh, but palm, Palms will help kind of alleviate some of that because then that means the field safety can play more true quarters and play tighter on it. But maybe, like, again, maybe they play this in second and, like, inside five, six yards, right? Whether they can have run pass balance to their defense. But then second and eight, second and seven, play more play it more true pass-oriented, Right. So yeah. maybe maybe it's about down and distance and being really situational.
1: But what is crazy to me is how I haven't seen a two-eyed nose tackle, a two-gapping nose tackle, in their nickel front this season, like this off season.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's huge, it's huge, and and so it also implies like like straight up from this image, we can envision pirates, but we can also envision like entire line slants, where everyone gains one gap on the inside. Um so also I imagine the the field side end would slant into the b gap too. I mean like I, I just you can already see the way the multiple ways that they'll that they'll tweak things up front.
1: yeah, so I've got a very similar clip uh here uh it it I always had to check that this wasn't the the same clip. I believe it's probably the next play. and obviously in the mock game, what we should say is like, they're trying to get the right looks, um, so it's advantageous for them to run very similar stuff each, like back to back at times. So here you you have a similar a problem for the defense, and you can really see how shaded this guy is over the, the center. Again, it's nickel, so this is our the nickel type player. Uh, this is the safety. This is the safety. Here's a corner. Here's a corner. Um, here's an outside backer. Here's an outside backer. Um, and what's, what I'm fascinated to see when it comes to the first string is, is this guy going to be the five tech because he's to the tight end? Are they going to really put this guy to the tight end and, and, and then have the, uh, and play it almost like, you know, we have a lighter type and a, a kind of bigger end type as well. But again, you have this, they've gone to the tight end, which they did last year, but this one tech knows. So if this guy, uh, is in the C gap or playing off this guy, and this guy, the three tech, is in the B gap, and this nose is is in the uh, the A gap. Then this backer either has to play in the A or or the B. Um, now, how they fit this is quite interesting um, because they get. I, I don't know if they anticipated from this set. I, I wonder if they're cross-keying, because this guy's off the line of scrimmage now, if they're cross-keying the guy off the line of scrimmage and whether he's going to rock back. And so rather than playing stacking in the gaps, they're kind of uh, f- fitting off the flow. They're treating this almost as two back. Mm-hmm. But you can see, I think 57 is, because he sees him come across. They also pull. Um, but again, he's this guy is it. very much keying into the play and it looks as though this is again cover two on this side cover four on this side yeah um this player has a bit of difficulty um
2: he some. Steps. also you
1: see the the how if this guy like i'm not sure if 57 should spill but they play it like turn back turn back don't they uh, which I, I guess you can because it's twenty personnel.
2: Um. Yeah, I think fifty-seven might mess up because because the will needs to be he's not he's not bracketing the the lead block, or he's not he's not yeah he's not bracketing the lead block. I'm surprised he's interior how gap. um the
1: the will well the will does yeah. He's not
2: supposed to, because there is an extra gap to the the left of the tight end from our perspective. So it would have to be the nickel levering someone. That's strange. Maybe he he kind of folds in, doesn't he? He kind of fits off. He kind of corrects 57 a little late, but...
1: Again, the the thing I want to highlight is this one tech guy, and again, zone, this obviously looks... uh, a lot cleaner with the, the forward step, the power step, not the mirror step, but yeah. also this, these safeties, um, but particularly the curl <laughs> defender, but even the safeties, they are reading for run more. Like they, they are interested in run a lot more. They're not, their, their keys just seem a lot cleaner, especially compared to this, like the preseason last year. Yeah. Uh, and that is in, in interesting to me. And so like on the point of run support, I I even noticed, like, stuff they tried to get involved with um, during, like, you know, as you saw the season progress and they tried to ramp up more, it seems as though they have kind of got that emphasis down at this point in the season. So if you look at even, like, their base bare fits uh, and how they're doing that, um, there's, like, a clear... um, emphasis in, into how they do it. So let me try and find a... Well, let me explain that. So basically, when they... So Seattle, a lot of the time, is going to be playing cover four on one side of the formation and cover two on the other side. So there's a clip where there's a two tight end formation or a tight end on either side of the, uh, the formation. And when Seattle's playing cover four on one side, uh, they it's very clear to me that they, oh, I know, I know what play this will, this will show up on. It's very clear to me on the cover four side that they know where the, where the run support is coming from. Like the run support, they have to play uh, outside backer force to that. And so the safety on that side, who is in the quarter, so tighter to the tight end, he can probably help out in that C gap with the outside backer forcing in the D gap. Um, it's very clear they understand that whereas on the cover two side, well now you have a cornerback who's in the flat and a safety who's tasked with getting over the top of the receiver in the deep half so it's very clear that the outside backer understands okay well i probably need to help out a bit more in the c gap because i've got help to the outside so if we look at um that's not the right way of doing this um and, and this is kind of, as I said, this is emphasis that I just didn't see in the, uh, in the game. So this is a good little look. Share screen. Come on. So here we have, and, and again, interesting. So Seattle Seattle's playing cover four on this side of the formation. Uh, and they're playing cover two out here. now, I do believe it's trips over this side. so there's three receivers on this side, and there's no receivers on this side. So this is a corner and this is in Seattle's base bear package, but it's interesting to me how
2: and they're an under here, right? An under check. well,
1: well, that is interesting as well because i've just I've just recognized something here. so th- this is this is a cool play. so, because there's three receivers on the left, right? It makes mm. this safety needs to be able to play over these receivers, doesn't he? Like yeah. he can't be expected same deal. He can't be expected to fit in the C uh and play on the number two or even three vertical, right?
2: Right. Right. So so, so where's the where's the second level help coming? Where's the support so r- coming?
1: Right. So rather than play this guy in a three technique like he would in bear. He's not even playing a four-eye mirror stepping. He's playing out on a five tech to help set a new edge. Also helps out because this guy, this linebacker, is got a curl pass drop in the cover four, like, or oh, uh, what? Do, what do they call it? A quarter flat drop. So this guy, rather than playing up when the B gap is bumped out to the C, to get this guy out the fit. Um, and then get this guy a bit of an easier time. Uh, read and run pass means he's pure one on one. He doesn't have to worry about getting comboed mm-hmm. up here. He can just read this guy uh, to keep it kind of one gappy. And again, in in other, like last season, it wasn't clear one gap start. Like it was sometimes we didn't know who had the gap. But to keep it one gappy, this guy's in the B. This guy's in the A. One back, we have one gap sure this guy's off so he could drop back but they have the the number here so that's the cover four side now on the cover two side it's a nub formation so the corner can come in here and be the force player because he's got the flats this guy doesn't have to be involved in the the run fit but the linebacker's is in the a so who's handling the c gap well rather than ask the corner who's got the outside underneath space to play with into the c gap This outside backer is forcing back into, uh, is squeezing this tight end down. Like we saw in that uh, nickel example, where the backer to the tight end to kind of buy time for the guy behind, he's going to just play aggressively uh, through that tight end and kind of, it's not too gapping, but it's kind of just dominating the tight end. And he should be able to do that. So if you play this through, it's a sprint out pass, but you can see this guy's busting a gut to get inside the sea. And this corner Mm -hmm. is waiting for anything back because he's in the fit. He's the cloud. That is awareness that was not there early in the season last year. And these guys are in their gaps. And look how this guy's fighting to set an edge. Yep. So a sprint out pass, but this is real kind of evidence of just smarter ways of doing it. They did not play this formation like this last year. No. No. And not with this kind of uh it's logical, isn't it? It's logical. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And it's just more versatile. It makes more sense. It's more sound, you could say.
1: It is. It is. And that's what we mean by like the 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 Pete Carroll way of doing it. Like it's not that we don't understand um Fangio's stuff as well I mean that is part of it but 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 really it just didn't make sense what was going on last year and it it just felt wrong uh and and it kind of proved that way (laughs) um so what you see from uh what you see from a, a different angle of this play and what it allows their coverage to do uh which by the way uh did did get worked but um, what it allows their coverage to do is this is the quarter safety who, because of, uh, I think it was Miles Adams, maybe, play, maybe not actually, but because of this guy bumping out to the five tech, keeping this quarter safety out of the run fit, this safety is able to get loads of depth immediately and play on the corner. Uh, this this corner, that, I mean, that's a coverage beater for quarters. This corner's uh, got to come down and, and rally to, to the check down, but so there you go. So some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is.
2: It is. Um, that,
1: that's high level run fits, which um, Ben you know, in their understand. mock game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ben Shapiro would have no idea.
1: No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I personally, Griff, I'm pretty bullish. Like I'm thinking, with that kind of vet pickup, which may happen, that Seattle's run defense is okay now. I think they fixed it
2: yeah and like I I agree I agree um I what about I think, the
1: nose tackle situation though
2: well oh I mean it's it's my whole thing with the nose tackle was oh
1: your whole thing huh
2: was you know if if they applied this it was more like it was trying to compare apples to apples oranges to oranges that they applied the scheme the same way this year as they did last year I would have expected even more of a regression um in comparing apples to apples, if they gave up what 3.7 yards per carry in three, four last year with this group, you know, I could, I could see them giving up 3.9 yards per carry or four yards per carry, but that would still be really beneficial if they played more of it or if they uh, committed to finding other ways to play it. Um, their, their non three, four stuff. So, um, you know, if they did this stuff with last year's group, for example, I think they would have had a dominant run defense. Um, I think they had the talent and the players to do that. I don't think they have the talent level across the board to be as good as they could have been last year had they schemed right. But I still think they have enough talent. They're hitting enough thresholds that if they scheme right, et cetera, et cetera, and all their stuff, not just in nickel, Um that they can still be, you know, firmly above average. Like that's totally that's totally attainable. Uh I mean they went from in twenty nineteen they were a below average run defense. and they went to like they were like the fifth best run defense in twenty twenty with you know their usual moves that they make. It was just a recommitment from scheme, you know. Um now if they get Shamar Stefan level play out of Jaron Reed, it may not matter. And that that is still hold something on, we on. need to is look that, for here
1: is that Shemar's, is that, a, is that a good level?
2: That's really Shamar Stefan. If we remember, was the one technique/slash nose tackle in 2019. Um, he was really bad. And oh, Jaron no. Jaron Reed was really bad last year for Green Bay. Yeah. Now, again, he was playing 800 snaps. He was trying to be a pass rusher on early downs. You know, he's playing, he a, was lot playing a lot of playing a lot of
1: two gappy stuff,
2: a lot of two gappy stuff too, did not look very good so. You know, they're letting him power stuff. They're letting him one gap more because he's playing nose tackle. Presumably, he probably won't be more than a 500-snap player. Um, and I, however, whatever percentage of it can be attributed to technique last year, you know, if you want to say like 15% of Jaron Reed's bad play can be technique alone. The, like that's purely within his power to to correct. So, you know, it's I think that he just kind of was disinterested with being a disciplined player. Um, and I think being in the, you know, under the The Seahawks culture, right. So whatever percentage of it
1: form future hall of fame, nose tackle.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, ultimately I I'm, I'm optimistic on the run defense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, wow. We've, we've spoke about a lot. Griff, did you want to touch on nickel four, one, six being a thing?
2: Uh, I mean, I think there's commentary in that they're doing it in the situations last year where they would have I, had.
1: I don't mean nickel for. I mean dime four one six. Sorry, dime four one six.
2: Well, the commentary is that schematically it functions like nickel did last year in that in those same contexts. But there's the, the they're saying is that we don't have the linebacker to replace what Cody Barton did last year, so we're having a either a safety slash nickel do it. Uh, an extra nickel back. as much as people dislike cody barton this is the coaching staff saying we did not replace cody barton adequately um i just would have paid him five million dollars to bring him back because i truly think he's probably top 10 top 15 coverage linebacker in the league um which washington ha- named him their starter like out of the get-go so he's not just a guy on their roster he's their legit starter right now um so th- they brought in Bobby Wagner, they brought in Devin Bush, and they're not... Now, if Brooks gets back in the lineup, might they have Bobby do this? I sincerely doubt it because he doesn't have the lay. If they do, it's like they're, they're they're saying, forget about giving him difficult assignments, which you might say, oh, that's good. Yeah, don't give him something difficult, but that hurts your scheme to ask your players to do simple things because then that means your scheme doesn't have as much potential. So the fact that they're putting a... a a a db out there is there's commentary in that and also further you can't do that on second and three you know you can't if you want if you want the coverage ability on second and three you need to have a guy that can also fit the run in that same context now maybe ideally brooks is your mic in that context and jamal is that weak overhang or the the de facto will because he can fit the run up you know he can finally live out and be the be the memed linebacker that everyone likes to pretend that he is although just because he can do those things doesn't mean he's only those things but anyway um so th- that said like third and eight or whatever it's pretty nasty third and six it's pretty nasty f- uh, f- f- that uh that personnel package the four one six so whatever i don't know do you have any thoughts on it I, r- I Well, they did
1: speak about in the draft process how like just the line linebackers just don't exist anymore in their eyes. Like good linebackers, like that the- there's less and less of them, and they're just harder to find. And so I do think it's a commentary on their linebacker position right now. Like, uh, but I don't I-, I don't find that surprising. Uh, and like they're you know they you know if they do have all this defensive back talent and the way they can match up, it makes sense. And when hopefully Jamal Adams does come back, then it looks pretty dangerous because it's, it's kind of the 2023 version of how it's, it's the 2023 version of uh, when cam chancellor was used in, in tank, like in, in, in the interior hook of cover three and come came down into the box late. Uh, but you just have an extra DB, so you can do even more uh, kind of match-up stuff. But like uh, I, w- I should also say, cause it will be confusing. It's, not a four one six, it's a two-three six, but the, the 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 one of the linebackers is that middle guy. The other two are the edge players, uh, because Seattle's still technically a three four personnel. Um anyway. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a four one six. Football's silly, but uh yeah, I I don't I mean this mock game footage, I have to say, when it's not stuff Bobby Wagner can cheat as much. Like Bobby Wagner is slower than he used to be, and he looks really surprised he, by that.
2: He 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 looked fine, but he looked really slow in the in the clips that we have. Now I'm gonna maybe he's not going 100, but you know the, the chatter that Bobby looks he legit looks fast, like he hasn't lost a step. Like he's lost about four steps, guys. Like we need to we we need to be honest about that. Bobby is nowhere near the guy that he was. Even, you know, in 2021 at this point, 2021, he was not the guy he was in 2020. It's pretty steep, the the, the, the athletic drop-off.
1: Um, um, yeah. So know, just finishing on the defense, OG3 asks, what type of offenses are going to kill our defense this season? It's a great question.
2: Balanced teams. Te- teams. Teams that will drop back past at a 12 personal under center and then teams that have a really good run game um, that have a really good gun run game basically Te- teams that will work you and work you now theoretically they're doing the things on paper that will fix it but um, yeah I
1: like it is pretty crazy to say this given we haven't even seen preseason football but I, I am feeling very very much more confident in in the the Seahawks I feel reassured by this in a, in a great way like this is stuff that may sound silly, but when we saw Seattle going back in week six of 2022, to the way that they'd done bear before they would implemented the Fangio system, we were delighted because we realized that the, the more one gapping power stepping style up front, not only did it suit their players, but it made logical sense and lo and behold, it did give them a mini revival up front. If you remember how they, 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 they got good at that again they never switch back on nickel and that's the question i'd ask pete carola i'd a, i'd ask him why uh have you changed this year and he'll say well we have lighter nose players it fits our players better yes it does but it's the it's a chicken or the egg thing except we know what came first like right, they decided right. to get these lighter players and they've clearly decided to change their nickel thing too why they didn't do that last year because our woods can power step is is a different woods can do anything yeah Maybe they felt it was just too much change, or just too much giving into what players had voiced. I don't know, but it is very true. interesting to me why why they've done it, um, why they didn't do it, but they've done it, and and it has filled me with a, a real confidence uh, about about mm-hmm. the the run defense. And if you can stop the run, then you can do a bit more of everything else. They're not if... giving up loads more. Uh, yeah, it's. It. it's...
2: it it, it's all about it's all about how well can you defend the run relative to the schematic and personnel resources you devote to it so right now they're finding that balance um i i think they have their on paper answers when they didn't last year so like that that's half the battle right or they had their on paper answers for about like a five-week period and then they acted like they didn't have them anymore which is just bizarre um i'm I'm really excited about the uh the um the the versatility and stuff also how what they showed in this mock game even if it's not like for defending say rpos you can weave that into defending rpos so easily like that's like like ken norton jr not, not to keep bringing him up but like if he had a if he had a game plan for if he had the previous week game plan that was meant for stopping a variety of run concepts. So we could stay in a too high shell to defend the pass, And the next week didn't have those run concepts. So they did run RPOs. The underlying like foundation of those calls lended itself to tweaking one thing in and like, okay, now you can defend the RPO, like changing the fits up. Who's in the fit, who isn't. It's Five, just stuff that like thing. that. So like they have like schematic pivot points now where they can kind of sh- offshoot any given week. Um, Anyway, they're no longer yes. like last year, they were vanilla, they're not vanilla this year. So, Adam so asked,
1: Were they catering to Sean Desai, who obviously is left now and is uh coaching the Philadelphia Eagles' defense? Now, Adam, I mean, obviously, Sean Desai does run that nickel front with, with the two eye, uh, and he he liked it a lot, didn't he, in Chicago? But I think. Seattle likes the nickel two forefront and I should probably have mentioned this. The reason they run it so much, Pete Carroll told me like it's because they want pass rush. And it's, if you want to rush with four, it is hard to get consistent, reliable edge pressure when you're only rushing one of your edges and you're in bare odd spacing. You have right. to have two guys on either edge and play four down looks. And so that's nickel. And that's why Seattle likes it. Um, uh it kind of explains itself which is what Pete said um yeah I mean uh
2: 20, 2014 15 when when Michael Bennett became a full-time player and Cliff Averill became a full-time player they wanted them on the field and they wanted to do it
1: and got paid because of that yeah
2: yeah they uh they, they... they wanted yeah they wanted them on the field and that meant like giving them the best chances to get after the passer so they played a bunch of nickel now it helps when you've got a unicorn a guy who can legit threaten the edge and defend the run at 275 and and make that bubble not be a problem in Michael Bennett yeah Um, do that
1: kind of tight end obliterating that we've seen on, on here
2: right so they lived in that they lived in their their you know the the equivalent back then of the two four five now which is just the four and it helps when
1: you've got uh cam chancellor as your pivot point who can play in the strong hook and fit the run from too high and play in the box and you can do a bit of that two eye stuff with with your nose but yeah
2: right right i mean i mean and you know everyone's an elite player for the most part right and like that also helps but um but regardless, like talent is not the the issue right now with this defense. You know, there might need some time to gel just that for experience sake.
1: They might need another nose.
2: Yeah. Hey, Brian Monet would be perfect right now. You know, okay. So, as an aside, we don't need to talk about scheme anymore. Let's, let's just talk about something fun. If Brian Monet comes back, it would be cool if Cam Young could split time between end and nose because I think he can play absolutely any interior spot and he'd be badass on tackles. Tackles wouldn't stand a chance on him. Um, because, I mean, he, even though he, like, he plays high too a little bit and it doesn't affect him because he's so strong it, uh, on on the nose, but, you know, like it's even that would compound positively for him because tackles play high too. You just get his hands into them and bench press them and he would squeeze out the backside lanes really well. So I would like to see him play N2. And he's he said, Clint Hurt said, you might have to play a little bit of 4-I, a little bit of 3-tech too. Um, yeah, I expect that. So yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that
1: but um yeah on the just finishing on the deciphering go bringing it back around to that I mean yeah sure he 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 was a part of that I think but like I think how it comes off from the outside looking in is that her, um, and Pete Carroll gives his coaches the freedom to to take things where they want, and then it seems steps in when things aren't going very well, or 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 is you know he's guiding. He has a lot of experience with football, but it seems that hurt kind of just was like, well, let's do all of this, and they didn't really. Well, they clearly didn't do a good job coaching it, but they also it wasn't right for them. It didn't fit them, and there's a question whether it fits in the league. I, it, um, yeah who who it, does
2: it fit right now <laughs> who like even even a zero evero who did okay and it was finding every excuse not to run it like he he, he ran it like i think so, like when i did the math like 60 percent as much as the seahawks did like the, like gannon and the eagles and the seahawks were like were caricatures and the packers they were caricatures of the principle of run doesn't matter
1: yeah the eagles were a joke But what I would say is Desai in Philadelphia, uh, he kind of has the line to do it. If he can't do it with those guys, then...
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got Jalen Carter and and Jordan Davis now. (laughs) If you can't do it with them, you can't do it with anybody. I mean, they ran that front in college at Georgia, and they were really good in it because it's college. But This is the NFL, so... um, Plus, do you want Jalen Carter playing two thirds of his snaps as a two gapping heavy three technique or do you want him getting after the passer i don't know anyway 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 um yeah i I don't think they were catering to the size so much as they were just kind of letting them coach their vision up like it's it's also like clint hurt is also culpable and so is pete you know he's the head coach so um but there's still a lot of commentary in the switches that they're making um so also, Carl, Carl, We shouldn't forget about Carl Scott. He's he's a main player now in all of this, so we have to assume he's involved here. And he and he has a lot of college experience at involving the nickel and the run fit, um, especially in, in, with too high structure and and getting and using different ways to to close the last gap off from too high. So um, he's no stranger to it. So he and Clinch should work well together.
1: Yep. Yeah, and, and yeah. Okay, so this mock game also, Griff, uh in aside from us being able to get very nerdy about the, the defensive aspects to this to this team. Oh
2: yeah, offense. Offense is a thing.
1: Ugh. Uh Gino was looking real sharp and the DK had a very odd kind of ball through the hand moment where he was wide ass open on a cross off play action. But Gino looked sharp. Uh, I know in the stat column it shows he threw zero touchdowns, but like he led the team on touchdown drives. It just so happened it was run in by a running back, not thrown in by him. Uh, but Jackson Smith and Jigba has been this one of the stories of camp, one of the stars of camp. Uh, as I said with Ty, like he seems like a like he's just had an amazing off season where it's just obvious that he's going to fit in immediately and be amazing. Uh, but. He also, you know, not surprisingly, given all that context, he looked real good in this game.
2: Yeah, he did. He caught a, a nestled wheel. Um, looks really shifty. I, I, too bad we didn't see the uh, that seam that he caught down the down the right seam. There was no bridge oh, of that. I, did. I don't think. Oh, you did. I, I missed. Yeah, it. yeah. It was ninety-two, it. by the way. Is that Tyreek Smith?
1: Yes, and okay. we're gonna talk Tyreek Smith.
2: He actually looks way faster than I thought he would have.
1: Look at this win from Tyreek, but Griff offense.
2: Okay. So cool little field wheel route. So it, yeah. it's a cool concept because it's go wheel. So the, the number one receiver is running a go route. The number two receiver is running a wheel route. But then he nestles, he, which means he he like hunkers down. He doesn't keep running. Um, not something you see a lot often, but it's a good way to work into the uh, – into the uh, space that's there Um, because if he were to keep running, he'd actually probably run into the safety eventually. So it allows the ball to actually get to him. Is this the, uh, this is the same play,
1: but as we we got the different angle. Um, Oh,
2: is this not the same? Is this not what I was thinking? No, it is. is. Okay. This
1: is the netted wheel. No,
2: no, it is. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Say whoever was filming this did an excellent job. What, what yes. an angle this is.
2: Thank you to our boots on the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. We By know. the way,
2: BBK is not looking fast there, Mike. That's no. that's a rough that, that's a rough uh final three match carry.
1: Yeah, another interesting thing is how Seattle uh punched and widened and played a lot of re root curl flat kind of stuff. Um, which and also here, this this down safety is just playing uh weak rotated. Uh, and he's not matching three-up to alleviate the stress on Ben Buck as the three-up player. That is interesting because um, last year, Seattle ran a Fangio three-match system, which was pretty successful. Um, maybe this is because it's preseason, so they haven't kind of ramped up their stuff yet. But, um, yeah, interesting. It might be because of the cut split yeah, of this guy, so they're expecting a rub. I don't know. Or because it's a tight end. You can see Pete's telling them yeah. to push it out.
2: Yeah, I actually, I hate the spacing
1: of this, but. but you can see how this is a, a real bind for cover three. So yeah, um, this, this, and, and the way JSN s- uh, snaps this off. And also, again, the, you remember that route he got uh, Witherspoon on uh, in camp, which the Seahawks took down where he, he he's able to yeah. accelerate so quickly while running wide So it's just he just gets a step on guys. Here then is that is that Jarek Reed? I think it is thirty-two. here it's a flat release, so he and and he gets kind of picked in this way, and he he needs to get hand on the new two because this two has eliminated himself. The corner here is is thinking I've got to overlap on this and try and midpoint these routes. And JSN is so fast, he's already in the blind spot and snaps it off. This corner's got the deep third. He's trying to just work for midpoint leverage. Um, and and it's just over. Um, and he's just so quick. Uh, who is yeah. 23? Um, yeah. is that, was that Whittaker? Is it?
2: I don't know. Um, I actually, and also I super no
1: encouraging the timing between Gino and JSN already. Like there's clearly a chemistry there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and they'll, they'll just c- continue to improve on that. And maybe Tyreek Smith gets a sack here. Also, a cool concept how this is actually a sim or a creeper from seattle so they're sending their their uh this is this is this is what we're talking about when we say dime so this is uh two three linebackers six one two three four five six dbs yeah They're sending this guy into the B-gap. The idea being that in in the offense's mind that they slide towards the mic backer. So the center comes out here for the mic. The guard comes out here for the tackle. This guy comes out here for the edge. But Seattle's actually dropping this guy into the strong hook of the cover three and they're rushing here. And because they've got the offensive line sliding towards the mic and the linebacker, the only off-ball linebacker in this dime package, it ends up with this guy matched up on the running back in pass protection and uh, a, a, a matchup, which if you're thinking that's Jamal Adams, that's a nice matchup. That's what you want. However, good job from Evan Brown because they they slide the the preferable way. They don't slide to a dropper. Uh, they, they don't slide to... Uh, Derek Hall dropping, they actually slide the centre to where they're going, and they pick up the the, the creeper in a good way. Although Kyrie Smith beats uh, Lucas, kind of, and yeah, uh, yeah. And then, good yeah, football just... on show here. And here's good Kobe stuff. Bryant playing the post. Good stuff. I have to say, Cody Thompson as well had a really, really, really good uh, showing. I don't know if the stats which the media department posted were correct or if, like, loads of his plays got chalked off via penalty or if I just didn't read them properly. Probably the the last one. But I don't know if, like, Jake Bobo got credited with some Cody Thompson catches. Because <laughs> <laughs> similar complexion, <Perhaps>. similar position. <laughs> Perhaps. But, um yeah, Cody seemed active. Uh And then... Oh, should we? Should we finally? Should we? Should we finish with a Tyreek Smith clip? Yeah. Okay, I think this is the one. Let me just double check.
2: Hello, Camden. Camden's. Chandler. Oh
1: yes, this is the one. Okay, this is a nice angle as well. Very nice angle. And Tyreek Smith. We should say on, on the subject of the the edge rusher. I like how we spent like two minutes on offense, but uh, yeah. Smith is. Uh, He was highlighted by Clint Hurt as the standout guy from, like, OTAs in June and and earlier than that as well, I think. And, you know, his handwork and his fluidity. And as a guy who, because he's not, like, a supreme tester – he just stands out as well because of the way he wins. It's a bit different to these other guys, uh, mm-hmm. and he's kind of a handy guy. And Griff, you liked him coming out, right? For you know, yeah, it's all he's, relative, he's, like he's a day three pick. But he yeah, liked I him mean, coming out
2: as day three edges go, he's really intriguing. He's um, really what
1: was, yeah, um, what was cool with the twos was which Tyreek Smith was part of. They they had some wins against the first string O line. Like the first string O line didn't do bad, but like Mike Morris held up against combos on the inside. Okay uh Cam Young uh test the of uh, Evan Brown at the center and then here this is Tyreek Smith uh beating Abraham Lucas
2: so he has that j- that um jab step and then he has two consecutive swipe moves double swipe moves kind of a club and then it turns into kind of like a club rip again yeah so, so the second effort's more like a – it's almost like a push-pull. Uh, it's yeah, just, it it's,
1: is it's, with that dip of the sh-
2: – Yeah. So you can tell, like, how, how natural all that is to him, stringing things together.
1: Yep. And, and it is the, about uh, 9,
2: 10 yards, but it, uh, that stresses Lucas quite a bit.
1: And I wrote about this pressure, of, I think, in 2021, 20, but they always do this in the preseason, and then it disappears – but uh, it's like a coffee house pressure, but for the um, inside backer, where he fakes as though he's dropping out, it gets them big on big protection. And then they try and pick for him. Um, I forget what uh, I think. Clint Hurt just called it one hug, but there was a clip where he installed it. Anyway, Google Google uh, Google one hug pressures, and you'll find my article on it. Seahawks mm-hmm. one hug pressures. Okay, Griff, is there any other mock game stuff you want to talk about? No, we're good. We're good. Okay, yeah. well, finally, the Seahawks play in the preseason. We have kind of talked already and covered big topics to look for, but I will rattle off a quick list because we are we are having a long one tonight. So, left corner, uh, right corner, specifically Trey Brown and Mike Jackson, they're going at it. Uh, with the spoon, I doubt he's going to play if he hasn't practiced in a bit, but like they'll be fun to see him and the other rookies. Um, the center battle, Evan Brown, Olu, Olu, Atimi. It sounds like Evan Brown's uh, ahead in that, but there's still time for Olu. Um, then, you know, is the run defense looking a bit more fitty? Because it was awful against Pittsburgh, and I tried not to put too much stock in that in the first preseason game last year. But this year, uh, I, I'm gonna believe to put stock in it. And if it if it looks good, then it looks good. And if there is still that one technique, which there should be, then uh I think I think we're in for a better defense, uh, run defense season from the Seahawks. Uh Griff, what else have I missed out?
2: Nothing. You got it all. Perfect. <laughs> ten out of ten.
1: Dowell Taylor. Dow Taylor obviously is out with a sprained shoulder, so there's a Interesting thing there because I doubt Nuosa will play much. So then you've got like Boye Maffey proving that he belongs as a starter versus the rookie Derek Hall looking to show stuff and then Tyreek Smith, who we've just seen have an impressive few reps. Um and Cody Thompson because we all you know the news of D'Skridge's suspension happened, yeah. Uh and obviously JSN it seems has got wide receiver three kind of locked up, but don't rule out Cody Thompson. Who Griff uh, compared to Cooper carp
2: <laughs> like a taller Wes Walker, maybe.
1: Right, right. Yeah, he, he I, has um, some uh, kind of Danny Amendola as well. about he him. he's
2: been impressing like three off seasons in a row, and then he gets hurt.
1: Yeah, and every preseason, yeah. Yeah, it's rough.
2: That's rough. All right, we said everything that there is to say ever.
1: No, no, hold on now. Hold on screen. now. Any questions in the chat? Like the video, subscribe, five star reviews, follow Griff at CMike Spin Move. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Uh Seahawks on Tape. I don't have my mug with me, but Seahawks on Tape. There's my uh credential. Hold on. Oh, there's my game day credential from Seahawks on Tape. My sub stack, www.SeahawksOnTape. Subscribe, it's free. Uh, there'll be an article on this One Tech stuff, uh, hopefully with some Pete Carroll quotes. We just need someone to ask the question, who will it be? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, but yeah. Thank you, everyone. Oh, here we go. Until Brooks Adams gets back, how dangerous will Titans be against this defense? much nice impossible to know
2: yeah because i mean like in Lots what ways of variables. yeah like in what ways are we worried about them hurting hurting them like on boots and stuff that's just you know it doesn't really matter who's out there you just everyone has to play their rules like more downfield at the intermediate i mean i don't know i don't want to see you don't want to see bobby wagner matched up with with uh george kittle do you yeah you think um, that'd
1: be a safety
2: yeah i mean we imagine it'd be a safety so i don't feel like it has to be that big of an issue it's just more like, I don't know. It's it's kind of. More I am
1: worried about boot play action, boot defense. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, uh, we appreciate you. We'll be back after the Thursday night game with a live reaction to some preseason ball. <laughs> It'll be fun.
2: Yes. Yes, I can't yeah. wait. We need real football. (laughs) And then...